Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Master of Fun podcast. You'll notice I don't have anyone else chiming in right now. The other Master of Fun, the Master of Fun, Lara. I'm by myself right now just to intro this episode because this week we're going to get right into this. This is something that Lara had recorded on her Instagram just a couple weeks ago on IGTV regarding a racist incident against my nephew, her son, Jalen. And Lara just talks very candidly, openly, honestly about not just this incident, but just in general, what our reaction should be. I think this is possibly the most open and honest discussion that has been on this podcast to date. It's something that I hope at the very least makes you just take a little time to reflect and evaluate you know, where you're at, um, especially with all of the really global racial tension happening uh, these days over the last year and, and beyond. And so we'll get right into it here. Again, she recorded this in her car, so uh, we'll do the best we can with the audio. But I think at one point you heard it even raining outside. But either way... I know this open and honest conversation that uh, Laura was brave enough to open up about uh, is going to be powerful and impactful for you. I know it was for me. Uh, So let's just get right into it here. All right. Well, I kept going back and forth about whether or not to get on here and do a live video. Um, And... My impulse controls out the window, so I'm just gonna tell the truth. I'm on my way home from painting, as you can see. Um, and I get asked a lot why I talk about race and racism so often. And I almost always say this isn't because I have black children. And I say that and I explain that to people because I actually want white people to care even if they don't have black children. So I'm always careful to say, like, first of all, I don't want to exploit my boys. So if you don't know me well, or if you don't know my family, and uh, so a quick backstory is that my children, I have five kids, I have three biological daughters, and two sons who were adopted. So I, I don't want to exploit them, and I don't want to put them in the center of my activism because the truth is I cared before I had black kids. I cared, I've cared for a really long time. And so when people ask me, why do I talk about race and racism so much? I never want to say it's because I have black kids because I think that excuses white people who don't have black kids. It tells them they don't have to care because as long as you're unaffected, you don't have to engage in the conversation. And so I'm always careful to say that to people, but today I care because I have black children. I'm on my way home right now to go talk to Jay, who I already talked to on the phone, but he had an incident today at school where a little girl, his classmate, told him that he didn't belong there and called him chocolate face. 
you know, I had a conversation with someone earlier. Almost every day, someone reaches out to me and asks me how I could be so horrible and such a terrible Christian that I don't care about cultural Marxism and how could I want critical race theory to be taught in schools. And to be really honest, you know what? I People think I'm a lot smarter than I am, I think, because they picture me home studying critical race theory so I can argue with them. I actually don't do that. I don't, I study the Bible and it tells me that I'm obligated as a Christian to care about the suffering of other people and that's why I care. But I'm not sitting home studying critical race theory so I can make some kind of argument. I don't care about that. I don't care about fighting to keep critical race theory out of schools. I care about addressing racism that is currently present in schools. The racism that affects my kid and I know a lot of people will say, First of all, a lot of people will be shocked. The same people who literally do nothing to confront racism around them will be shocked that this little girl called my kid chocolate face and told him he doesn't belong. They'll be shocked. They will clutch their pearls and they'll gasp and they, they'll, they'll be appalled that that happened to him and they'll be so sorry for us. They'll call it a microaggression. Maybe she wasn't trying to be racist. Maybe it was... You know, bulk, typical bullying. Kids are so cruel. It probably wasn't personal. I've heard all of it. I heard that when when a kid handed him a brown crayon and said, here's, here's one for you, Jay, so you can draw your poop skin. Another microaggression. But it doesn't feel micro to an eight-year-old kid. And it's not every day, and we don't live, we live in a majority white school district for sure. It's not, not diverse though. He's not the only black child, not even just at school. He's not the only black child in his class. We live in Rochester, New York. If the blackest thing this child is acquainted with is chocolate, I can't understand how her parents operate in the city of Rochester. I'm, I don't even know. I don't have a point. I guess I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired of people saying it doesn't, everybody has the same opportunities. And I'm tired of people saying, yeah, for sure, my kid has the same opportunities as my white kids. That's true. They have a level playing field in a lot of ways. What I wonder is what is the toll? How do you measure cumulative trauma? How do you measure cumulative racist trauma for every single time my kid is called chocolate face or told he doesn't belong here or called poop skin or called the n-word or told you can't look through these binoculars because my kid, my mom hates people with black skin and so I'm not allowed to let you look at these or touch, touch my things. What's the cumulative trauma for a child who is told over and over and over, you're just a little less? And then the adults around say, they probably didn't mean that that way. Are, are you sure it was a racial, a racial thing? Well, what did you, are you sure he heard them right? Well, what happened just before they said that? Was he, you know, was he doing something wrong? Maybe, probably, he's an eight-year-old boy. Why are we dismissing the racial part of all of this? I just don't understand why I, I get dragged 
by my own people. And when I say my own people, I'm talking about Christians. I get dragged by Christians. What? Why do you make? Why do you have to make it about race? Why does everything have to be about race? Why don't you just shut up already? It's so divisive. Can't we all just get along? You know, I don't see color. I just, he's just like every, I see, I see people for who they are. Well, that's a freaking luxury, man. It's a privilege. You don't have to see color. Because it's not how the world sees you. You know, I guess I just, I feel confused by the very body of people who are supposed to consider it a joy to suffer. The same group of people who are supposed to enter into suffering with others. The same people who claim to love people despite their differences and they don't even see it. The same people that are so filled with love that they don't even see it. Gosh, they're the same people that are allowing it to, to happen in their homes. They're the same people. And, and so all of these arguments that people come at me with and the people say things that I'm divisive because I bring up race. What do I tell my eight-year-old kid? I'm gonna be home in two minutes. What am I supposed to tell him? Should I tell him all lives matter? Is that what is supposed to solve? Should I tell him don't see color? Like, what is the end game with that kind of dismissive rhetoric? And I'm not blaming the church or Christians exclusively. It's it's a it's a world problem. But when I see people who claim to follow Jesus, who is the the man of sorrows, who entered into the world to suffer, we see pe- those same people who claim to follow him are protecting their comfort at the expense of other people. They are causing suffering because they're so afraid their kid has to learn about heavy topics or their kid might learn about a theory about racism. Why are we more bothered by the theory than we are about the racism? Tackle racism and we don't have to do the theory at school. Teach your kids at home to treat people with dignity and respect and then guess what? Then the teachers don't have to do it. And I, I, you know, this is... Her or Jay's teacher, she's great. I would definitely say she is an ally. I know she has done personal work around educating herself to be an anti-racist and not just because it was trending in 2020, but she's been doing this for a while. And I know she's done really good work with these kids in school. But recently, these two classes merged now that some restrictions have lifted and kids can be back together in small larger numbers they've merged these two classrooms and now he's with this kid who thinks he doesn't belong because he has a chocolate face so I have really no point I wasn't even sure if I should get on and say this but but you know what if I have to go talk to my kid about it you should talk to your kid about it my kid has to deal with it, then your kids can also figure out how to navigate this stuff. We have to do better. This is embarrassing. 
like, isn't it embarrassing? If my kid talked to another kid about their differences or their, they, they were culturally insensitive or inappropriate, you know what I would do? My kid would never watch another all-white cast show ever again. Ever. It would change the music they're allowed to listen to. It's, I would change. I would move. Make sure that they are more um, exposed to people of different cultures and races and religions, backgrounds, abilities, disabilities, differing abilities, neurodiversity. It's embarrassing. We have to do better. It's it's so embarrassing. I'm not talking about be embarrassed or ashamed of being white or whatever leap people want to take. I'm talking about if you are in an exclusively white world, you've got to work really, really hard to undo and unteach and untrain what your passivity has allowed. Because the world, society, culture is always moving toward sin and wrong and white supremacy and misogyny. It's, it's going to, the world, the trajectory of the world will always move toward evil. I believe that. I know that doesn't sound super hopeful. This is why I believe in Jesus. Because I genuinely feel like, man, we need something positive. But the reality is it. If we, are, if we aren't teaching our kids how to be loving and embracing and anti-racist, if we aren't teaching our kids that, the world will teach them to be racist. The culture will, our society will, school will, other kids will. So it's not enough to just say, oh, I, my, I don't talk like that in front of my kids. That's not enough. You have to actively teach them to do the right thing, not just passively hope they don't do the wrong thing. That's true of every area of your child's life. So we need to read better books. We need to put them in front of better programs or TV shows or whatever it is. Whatever you're letting your kids do, video games notoriously have more black antagonists or villains. It's a very largely white whatever. I don't know. I'm not I'm talking about video games. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But it's a very white industry and black people are vilified in video games. So I wouldn't let my kids watch play video games. I wouldn't. I don't, to be honest. They play Animal Crossing. More Animal Crossing. Less vilifying entire people groups. Listen, I'm I got on here because because I've said over and over and over, I don't care because I have black children. I care because I have black friends and black loved ones and I love black culture. I love black people. I love, I appreciate and I benefit from black contribution to our society in every area in math, in science, industry, in music, in art, theater, athletics. There isn't an area that 
people of color have not profoundly impacted and that we all benefit from that. I think of um, the, the little dot, I don't know if you guys remember like old phones where the center of the phone, I think it was on the number five, there was a little dot, a little raised dot. That was originally, it started because people with visual impairment, it gave like a center point and it was just an inclusive design just for, for accessibility for people with vision impairment to be able to kind of orient themselves on the phone so that they could use the keypad. If you guys remember how helpful that little dot was, because if you were doing something that it was dark or whatever, you could always find, you could get oriented. That little dot helped everyone. Inclusive design helps everyone. Wheelchair ramps are for wheelchairs, but every mom with a stroller or dad with a stroller knows how helpful those are. Inclusive design benefits everybody. It's not just design though, it's inclusivity. When we plan our churches and our church services with people of color in mind, with hearing impairment or hearing loss in mind, when we plan events with wheelchair accessibility in mind, when we build curriculums with racial differences in mind, everybody benefits. Nobody suffers because there's a ramp. <laughs> Nobody suffers. No, white people don't suffer. When you say Black Lives Matter, it doesn't take away from you. Everybody benefits. Everybody benefits when we're all honored. And if somebody's not being honored or valued and we're elevating that, that group of people, doesn't take away from the rest of us. It doesn't push everybody else down. It elevates us all. I'm just talking at this point. All right, I'm going. Thanks for listening. If you stuck in here with me, I, I just, I wanted to share all this because I'm so tired of people being shocked and then also doing nothing about it. And if you think that you can't do anything about it, you're confused about what racism is. You're confused about white, what white supremacy is. If you really believe that it's the use of the N-word, and if you heard someone say the N-word, you would definitely speak up. If you think that's what it means to intervene on racism, you are confused. And I beg you to broaden your definition and your view of what racism is and and sit down with your black and brown loved ones and listen to them and believe them and and honestly you're if we're even having this conversation and this is applying to you you probably don't have black and brown loved ones that you couldn't possibly <laughs> Because if you had black and brown loved ones, you wouldn't be bothered. You wouldn't be bothered by the theory. You wouldn't be bothered by the curriculum changes. You wouldn't be bothered by Black Lives Matter instead of All Lives Matter. You wouldn't be bothered by it. Because if you had 
truly had loved ones, people that you love and invest in and that they love and invest you. Now, I'm not talking about like, oh, my black friend who's really like your postal worker. That's not, that is not your black friend. Trust me, they don't think you're their friend. I mean, my black postal worker isn't my, they don't think I'm their friend either. It's not you. It's all of us. When we inflate our sense of familiarity with people, we tend to also inflate our sense of understanding of their lives and their plight and their experiences. It's just not true. So actually invest and listen and be around people who are different than you. Stop being afraid. It's, it's good. Be challenged. Be told you're wrong. Do it wrong. Gosh, it's okay to try a thing, get it wrong, and say thank you for helping me understand. I never thought of it that way before. I get it now, or I'm trying to get it, or man, I still don't get it, but I'm listening and I'm learning, and thank you for that correction. Gosh, there's so much power and humility and being teachable and correctable. Listen, just listen to people. And I brought up the church earlier and this wasn't a church incident. She's girls got a little Christian name and so maybe that's where I'm why I'm all fired up. But the people who are have come after me and dragged me the hardest are people that I would have said that I really that I would have called friends. People who I would have said were teachers of mine or friends of mine or people who I would have said I respected. And I have seen these same people work harder to create the appearance that they care or to create the appearance that they're woke or create the appearance that they're doing something or they just don't agree with the methods. Okay. They've worked harder to do that than to actually uproot the racism in their heart. It's not the unforgivable. Racism is not the unforgivable sin. It's not. But if it's unconfessed, man, it's just gonna, the roots are gonna go deep. And if you don't uproot it, gosh, it's, it's, it's a pretty heinous sin. But it doesn't have to be a permanent condition. And so just be humble enough to learn. I, I don't say this from a position of having arrived at some place where I know any of it. Gosh, but I'm not afraid to look dumb. I'm not afraid to try. I'm not afraid to get it wrong. I would rather die trying to do the right thing than go to heaven and have God say, Really? I gave you this tool of the internet where you could reach the corners of the earth in seconds. And I literally commanded you to go to every corner of the earth. And you didn't try to affect change or meet people where they were or challenge. Like, I don't know. I guess to alleviate suffering and to bring good news and hope. In order to do that, you have to care. You have to have some credibility. That's all. We have to do better. White people have to do better. Because I have to go home and sit next to my kid and tell him 
that he does belong and he's not a chocolate face. We don't get to be shocked and then do nothing. Be affected, be devastated. He's eight. people who are doing the work, thank you. For people who are listening and actually being challenged, thank you. For everybody else, like, when? Just ask yourself when. When will you start to care? When will you stop being threatened by the theory, by the Marxism, by the, by the movement that you disagree with? Okay, disagree with the organization, fine. Who cares? Just care more about the thing people are fighting against. We don't get to show up hundreds of years late to a movement. Hundreds of years late to a movement. And then criticize the people who are who are who showed up and tried to do a thing. What if we just stopped being so judgmental and critical of what people are trying to do? What if we joined in and said, hey, I'm here. You're not alone in this. And what if we looked stupid and got in trouble along the way? I mean, I've never been in so much trouble in my life than I have in these last year and a half. I have less friends than I've ever had. I am in more trouble with more people. What if we didn't care about that anymore? What if we just said, okay, I'm in trouble and I have less friends. Man, I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying. Just be, we just gotta be more brave. Because every time we are scared to do the, to do the wrong, to do it wrong, every time we're scared to, talk about it too early with our white kids or every time we're scared to look stupid or offend somebody or say it the wrong way every time we stop ourselves from engaging in the conversation our white kids are shaped by society and shaped by white supremacy and then they go to school and call my kid a chocolate face and tell him he doesn't belong here So yeah, I don't, I t- every time I talk about race, I say this, is it because I have black kids? It's not because I have black kids. I care because I care about people. But today, I care because I have black kids. And that's going to be, that's going to be enough for today. So, thanks guys. Please do better. thank you guys again for tuning in this week. We really appreciate you coming back week after week. I hope that you learned a lot, got a lot out of this conversation with Laura today. Uh, We're going to actually go even deeper into this discussion next week uh, with each other and um, just take a deeper dive into this. And uh, so tune in next week for this ongoing discussion and uh, we'll see you next time.